Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Another day, another dollar, folks. Who would have thought we'd meet back here? Welcome back. It's Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. For those of you listening for the first time, where have you been? You're lucky. It's going to take up a lot of time, but you can go through all the back episodes of this show. 123 back episodes. This is episode 124. Well, plus all the bonus ones, right? We've done uh, uh, WrestleMania pre-shows. We've done State of Wrestling bonus shows. There's got to be, what, 130, 135 episodes that you can go back. They're all up on iTunes, on on Spotify, on Stitcher, wherever you get this podcast from, you can get it there. My only request is that you leave a review, you subscribe, and you click a five-star rating on that. It helps us a lot. Uh, And I like to know that you're a fan of this podcast, as this podcast is really a podcast intended for wrestling fans by somebody who's still a wrestling fan. And that reputation can be difficult on weeks like this. I I love hearing from you guys all week long on Twitter at NotSam, uh, especially when a pay-per-view is on. And a lot of you guys had one request of me on the podcast this week, and that was to please allow some light to shine from Fastlane. A lot of people disappointed in WWE Fastlane. Now, some of the disappointments this week, a lot of people disappointed in Fastlane, some people disappointed in segments from Raw. I didn't hear a lot of disappointment from SmackDown, but I usually don't. Um, I thought some of the Fastlane disappointments were justified. I'll talk about that in State of Wrestling. I thought some of the Raw disappointments were unfair. I'll talk about that as well in the State of Wrestling. But this was a big week. I can't wait to get into it, and we'll talk about it more after the interview. But you got Fastlane, Raw, and SmackDown. The last... The first three days of this week, huge. Huge in terms of newsworthiness in the world of WWE. And you talk about jumping right on the road to WrestleMania. We are ready. The build is coming strong. But days before Fastlane, you had more newsworthiness in the world of of pro wrestling in general. Uh, A lot happening at the Impact tapings. I guess uh, Impact is relaunching at the time of this... I think it airs on Thursdays anyway. So at the time of this recording, uh, we have not seen the new Impact Wrestling. Uh, But so much went down at the tapings. We'll talk a little bit about it, but all I did was read some results and things like that. I haven't seen any of it, so I can't have too much of an opinion on it. But also, over the weekend, huge Ring of Honor show that we have to get into with some major, major debuts, returns, uh, a lot happening at that show. Uh, So before we get into any of that, let's talk to our guest this week. I have to thank again, last week we had Taz on the show. Taz dropped by uh, my studio at SiriusXM right after his studio, after doing the Taz show, and uh, recorded an exclusive interview just for this here podcast, which we will have on YouTube, by the way. The YouTube channel is getting updated. I know it's slow, but I got a lot going on. Uh, that's youtube.com slash not Sam. Uh, and it was so great to get so much insight from Taz. Uh, we have insight again this week. My guest this week, and the timing could not be better, is AJ Styles. Now, this interview was done on Monday. 
of this week. So it was the day before SmackDown. It was the day before his altercation with Shane McMahon in the gorilla position. It was a day before all of this stuff. But we get into all of it, you know? And I, and I asked him, well, you know, I could have talked to AJ for a lot longer than I actually did. I have so many questions for him. This year, the last 365 days, so WrestleMania to WrestleMania, because it has been just about a year. If you scroll back 50 episodes or so, you'll find the interview that I did with AJ Styles right before WrestleMania 32 in uh, Dallas. And we talked about, what we really talked about was entering WWE and realizing the scope, not only of WWE, but also of WrestleMania. Uh, A year after that, the conversation that we have is a lot different. And the context is a lot different, you know. AJ Styles is looked at by most wrestling fans as having the best 2016 of anybody on that roster. Uh, in terms of improvement, in terms of surprise, and, and the trail that he has blazed, getting to the place that he is at now is remarkable and helpful to so many other people around him. So, the conversation that we have now is about what's happened since then. I got to talk to him a little bit about James Ellsworth. Uh, I got to talk to him about some of the stuff that's come up on Talking Smack, where, by the way, AJ Styles, one of the many people who has benefited greatly from Talking Smack. We saw The Miz on this week, and we'll talk about it in State of Wrestling. Um, But we got to talk to him about that. We got to talk to him about uh, Madison Square Garden, which is where he'll be this weekend, if you're listening to this podcast on time. Uh, and and so much more. You can't say enough about AJ Styles, and it's it's controversial, to say the least. The decision to apparently, possibly, put him in a match with Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. Uh, we talked a little bit about that. Uh, that was another one of the things that we discussed uh, when I when I got to speak to AJ earlier this week. So you know what? Instead of running this pie hole about the AJ Styles interview, why don't I let you hear that? Exclusively here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, This week, it's my conversation with the phenomenal one, AJ Styles. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. AJ, I think the last time we talked was like two days before WrestleMania, the last time we did an interview. Was a couple yes, days. Yeah, it was. Be- yeah, it was a couple days before WrestleMania, and I mean, just thinking back on 2016, did you? I know you come to the WWE with the goal to succeed, but did you realize that people would be talking about you as the guy for having the best 2016 in the company? Uh, well, if they're not, something's wrong because uh, <laughs> I, did, I, I mean, just. I mean, this guy comes out of nowhere, you know, <laughs> comes from Japan, you know, not sure what's going to happen. Even even I'm not sure what's going to happen. And one thing leads to another. I get a shot at Roman Reigns, uh, you know, the Monday after WrestleMania. I earn a shot to wrestle Roman Reigns uh, for the World Championship. Unreal, dude. Yeah. So so what is it? Do you, do you just like, is it, you fell, is it a matter of timing? Like in the sense that. Oh, yeah that everything just fell into place and you were allowed to be AJ Styles and not something else? Uh, I think that's uh, 100% what happened. Now, I don't know if it was, um, you know, hey, we need something fresh and new, or, hey, listen, everybody's hurt. We need somebody to come in. Um, 
And I think that's what happened more than anything. It's like there was a lot of guys hurt at the time. Yeah. And I was I was able to come in there and, and make the best of it a great you know, of an unfortunate opportunity, but a great opportunity for me, you know, that guys were hurt and I needed uh, you know, fill in basically. And it's kind of I mean, I feel like it turned into a great opportunity for a lot of people. Like I think that the AJ Styles model became a thing now where a guy like Samoa Joe, for example, can come in, can be Samoa Joe, can be acknowledged as a guy who had a career before this and can actually have the opportunity to do his thing and succeed. Right. And and he's doing really well. I mean, we all knew that you know, at least I did, I knew that he was he was he was he should have been in WWE a long time ago. Mm-hmm. The guy can do it all. I mean, he, for his size, he shouldn't be able to move the way he does, and it really makes me angry. Um, <laughs> the guy's an unbelievable athlete, and he's also great on the microphone. So there's nothing that Samoa Joe can't do, and the fact that he gets to come here, be Samoa Joe. And, and to tell you the truth, Samoa Joe is the one that got this thing started for everybody because he was at NXT first. Right. So it, it wasn't necessarily me that got it started. I think it was Joe. And Joe went in there and proved that, hey, he can mix it up with anybody and have great matches yeah. uh, and have a good attitude, most importantly. Um, you know, a lot of things are looked over, and I think attitude is everything in this business. Like, Because you're going to have your ups and downs, and you're going to have stuff that you may not agree with, but it's your attitude whether or not you succeed. And uh, Joe, would ha- Joe has a great attitude. That's also like that's, that, that always ends up being the reason why, especially long-term, people seem not to succeed. Like you hear about these guys that have all this buzz and then they never quite amount to it. And years later you start asking the question, what happened to this guy? What happened to this guy? And it was just a matter of not having a good attitude or he had an ego or he was full of himself or whatever it is. Right. Um, And you have to know what your job is and your job's not always to have the, you know, the best match on the card. Your job may be to make someone else, look amazing sometimes the story's not about you even though there's a match in the ring and you're in it it's not about you it's about the story and a lot of people can't get past that they want to you know do something else that that makes them shine rather than the story and just sometimes and it, it takes a mature you know uh, a guy or girl to get in the ring and know that and sometimes you know unfortunately that happens you got to be mature about what's going on how long did it take you to get there like how long did it take for you to wrap your head around the fact that it wasn't always going to be about making sure that you're leaving the night as the number one guy, you know? I think that I was probably in my 30s and had someone talk to me. In fact, I think it may have been like Terry Taylor who said, hey, man, uh, this isn't, even though you're in this match, it it isn't about you. It's about the story. So, you know, do your job. Just that's all we need you to do. We don't want you to go out there and kill yourself, but do your job. And I guess you have to get to a place where you're not taking that personally. Like, it's not like he's not attacking you. He's actually telling you, hey, you're going to get your moment, but this time it's about something else. Absolutely. And you can't always be in the, the top storyline. We've we got to, you know, uh, everybody's got to get their opportunity. They've got to get it their chance. And you'll get back there again. But right now, you know, it's not, you know, we need somebody else to fill that position as the top person, the top story right now. Um, and, and that's not always a bad thing once you realize it. Um, <laughs> a little a little less pressure, to be honest with you. Yeah. Now, I mean, you had matches with a lot of different people this year, James Ellsworth being one of them. And <laughs> <laughs> what? how quick do you have to be thinking or does he have to be thinking? Like, walk me through the process a little bit because I watched the match you guys had, I think, on SmackDown where you had him ready for the Styles Clash and he instinctively, it looked like, brought his head forward 
And if he had kept his head forward, he probably would have landed very, very poorly. And it seemed like at the last minute, like lives were saved. Well, that's, that's exactly what happened. And you don't realize it, and, and even I didn't, um, because it's a very safe move, but I, the only thing I can't control is your head movement. Now, uh, and when you're upside down like that, you kind of, it's weird. It's, it's, it's just a, a weird position to be in, I guess. And, and some guys make the mistake of tugging their head for some reason, you know, just, I guess, thrown off by the position they're in. And so, uh, I've grown very weary, you know, of like, okay, let me make sure they know where they're going with this. And, and at the last, you know, last second, I kind of look down and just sit, see where they are. Right. Sometimes I can feel it. A lot of times I can feel it anyway. And I felt, I felt James, uh, trying to kill himself. And so <laughs> I, uh, I just kind of let up on it and, and, and made sure that I didn't go all the way flat and, you know, put my hands down so that he didn't come down on his head. I mean, but that's one of those things that like, that that's why I feel like you have to be as confident as you've ever been. It seems like this AJ Styles is the best version of AJ Styles by a mile, just due to experience, due to comfortability with yourself and comfortability with your opponents. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, and only, you're only going to get this way through experience. Um, you know, and, and being in there with pretty much everybody. I mean, that's that's the thing, and and that's what you want. Uh, and if, you know, mistakes have been made by myself and and guys uh, that I've been in the ring with. So, only experience will prepare you to react quickly like that, and, and not, you know, when things don't go the way that they should, not to panic either. Right. Right. How's your life changed as a WWE superstar? Because I feel like when I talked to you last time. You were kind of still wrapping your head around everything, and that was when you were first getting the sense of how big WrestleMania, for instance, was, and and just sort of still getting your feet wet. Whereas now, you know, you've had a significant run as WWE champion. You've main evented a lot of shows. You've 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 had amazing matches with John Cena and Roman Reigns, and the WWE audience has undoubtedly. I feel like you're looked at now as not. Oh, that's AJ from Japan or from TNA or whatever. Like your <laughs> yeah. your WWE guy, AJ Styles. Right, and and I like that. I want people to go. Oh yeah, that's WWE. He works for the WWE. Um, yeah. But I can tell you this: I, I, working everywhere else, uh, WWE is the first time that someone has stopped me as I'm going through the drive-through. <laughs> to get my autograph and want to take a picture with me where you know I'm still in the car, which happened last night. They literally followed <laughs> me and uh, got me going through the drive-thru, uh, which isn't a bad thing. Hey, I, I mean, I'm, I, at some point, I'm going to have to put out a book uh, for fans and just tell them the reasons why. Maybe they're, you know, don't always judge someone on, on how they react because certain things are unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh and then there were, there's a time and a place to, to get your autographs and a, and a way to say it. So, so women and men that wrestle here in the WWE will be more polite. You know, you know I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like there needs to be a manual about how to get an autograph, when to do it, and how to do it. Yeah, I guess uh, it's there's not. There's a lot of times. That, a lot of people don't know what guys have gone through to get to the venue that day. You know, they could have been flying all night long to get there, 
and then they bombard you and not saying please and thank you. You know, now don't don't get me wrong. I am very thankful for the fans because they make sure I still have a job. So I'm very thankful and I always try to be very nice and polite, but it goes both ways, you know. Yeah, and there is this thing I feel like about and I know cuz I'm a fan about being a fan where you guys are portrayed as these larger than life like human cartoon characters and so the idea that you might actually be human beings with feelings and emotions and things that you went through in your life is kind of it gets foreign to people who are just so excited about seeing AJ Styles pull up to a drive-thru. <laughs> right. Like, I couldn't believe it. I was actually talking to my wife at the time. She's like, oh, my God. I'm like, hold on. You know, like, don't say anything to make the, the you know, what's about to happen even more uncomfortable for all of us because <laughs> uh, she was on speakerphone through the car. But uh, I'm, I'm grateful. I really am. Uh but it was just a, a weird moment. Like, I can't believe they just followed me. And I wasn't exactly by the arena. I was probably 20 minutes from the arena before that's, I pulled through the drive-thru. That's where it gets creepy. That's where you're like, this is, this is, this is starting to get real close to stalking. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, uh, I mean, I'm, like I said, man, I don't want any fans to take this the wrong way. I'm very thankful for them. But that was a little weird. What restaurant was it? Oh, I'm an I'm an Arby's guy. I love it. So I like get me a roast beef sandwich. You know, not not exactly the the healthiest, but it's not exactly the worst thing yeah. to eat either. So that's my go-to. Hey, uh, speaking of, does experience prepare you if you're in this match? Which, by the way, was an amazing match with Dean Ambrose, the TLC match. When you realize that your tights are torn, first of all, <laughs> do you realize your tights are torn? Well, I remember going through those chairs and going, "Ow, oh, man, that really hurt my butt." <laughs> like I remember thinking that, and going, "And just go, you know, not you know, just going on with the match." And then uh, I think it was after Dean went through the table, he was like, "Oh, bro, you're going to need some more tights. <laughs> you know, you just need some new gear." And I was like, "Oh, man," and I, and I knew it was, I knew it was ripped. I didn't know how bad, but I was like, "Well." What are you going to do? You just got to keep, you know, keep going like nothing is happening. And I think even though there was this huge tear and my butt cheek was showing, people uh, kind of forgot about it um, after what we've done and, and the finish and whatnot. So it, I feel like I've accomplished something when I get people not to worry about my butt cheek hanging out and yeah. uh, still be, you know, watching the match. Well, it was amazing because you weren't worried about it. So it made everybody – like anybody watching had to feel silly – if they were worrying about it, because you were literally doing the match as if you could have been wearing no pants at all. You were like, I'm here to do this match. Right. And and then a lot of people were saying it was a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> Not true. Not true. That would that would be saying that, you know, the guy who does my stuff didn't do it right and that the scenes popped. No, no. Right. A metal piece of the chair sliced my gear and my butt. You know, my butt was bleeding, you know. So, yeah, not a wardrobe malfunction. I just want to make that clear. Wardrobe malfunction seems very kind of uh, uh, delicate and frilly and stuff. This was a battle wound. Yeah, yeah. No, there was there there was blood on on my uh, gear, you know. <laughs> yeah. So up to be on, you know, my butt. How do you, uh, how do you react when you get the messages? Because inevitably you see them because people post them. When you have these, like... You've had a series of amazing matches with John Cena, and you had a couple earlier this year with Roman Reigns. And I was always kind of bummed out and surprised to see people immediately kind of 
just say, well, AJ carried Roman Reigns through an amazing match. AJ carried John Cena through an amazing match. And it's like, it's flattering because they want to give you credit, but you're like, you know, your dance partner matters. Yeah, I do. Obviously, that could be further from the truth about, you know, AJ carrying this. Listen, I don't carry anything. I just try to do my part. Uh, Roman Reigns, and I knew this going into how great he could be. Uh, and, 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 you know, just giving to him uh, and trusting him with the, the spots he, we were going to do. And that, I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, and I, I really thought, holy cow, he's a lot better than anybody ever thinks he is. You know, like, Roman Reigns is great. Yeah. John Cena is great. John Cena is willing to do anything and everything to make sure this match comes out as as good as it possibly can be. Like, it always comes down to two people. I, I, I've i heard it say, and it's flattering, if they put me in there with a broomstick, I could have a great match. But that's not true. It would not be entertaining whatsoever. <laughs> Although, I would give it my best shot. So, for the record, you know, just... For the record, you're I, saying that a broomstick versus AJ Styles match would be a terrible match. I, I think so. <laughs> Although, I'm going to try my best to make it entertaining. <laughs> um, I could surprise myself. I don't know. A lot of people are are talking about WrestleMania, and of course, you know, with everything that's going on on SmackDown, everything's still in the air. But let's say this is just a complete hypothetical, but I'm just going to throw it out there based on uh, storyline direction and some of the things that have been said on Talking Smack and things like that. Let's say for some reason you're not in the title match, and let's say you end up in a match with Shane McMahon. Is that something that you would look forward to? Is that something... That, or or is that something you'd be like, man, I was kind of hoping for a title match. Dude, I look forward to WrestleMania. Yeah. you got to know that this is this is something that I never thought I'd have the opportunity to be in. I, I remember watching the WWE Network and going, wow, I'm never going to be able to be in, at WrestleMania. And although I've, you know, I was like, all right, I, just, you know, I tried to play the game like, oh, it's not a big deal to me. It, it kind of is because it's WrestleMania. <laughs> it's the yeah. biggest thing going on when it comes to what we do and so that was a big deal and to be at wrestlemania especially with all the talent that we have mm-hmm. to actually be there i mean think about how many championships we have yeah <laughs> there's no way we're going to be able to defend them all at wrestlemania yeah at least not on the show so to be part of wrestlemania is a big deal to me no matter what now it's also a big deal of course uh you're going back to madison square garden on sunday uh, this Sunday, that's the 12th of March. Uh, it, does it still blow your mind? Because I know you said before that the first time you went in, does it still blow your mind to be able to walk into Madison Square Garden and realize you're going to have a match there? It's uh, Obviously, it's probably the coolest venue in America. You know, I mean, it's just it's Madison Square Garden. and You, you can't go there as a... A performer, unless you're with WWE. And when I say performer, obviously I mean sports entertainment. You cannot go there unless you work for the WWE. So just saying that makes it even better. You can't go there with any other sports entertainment other than other than you know WWE. I, I, can't, I can't say that enough. Like people don't understand. Like no, I haven't because I didn't work for WWE. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and and you're talking. There obviously, this is a Sunday afternoon show, which is fun, and it's going to be amazing. You're going to be there. Cena's going to be there. Brock Lesnar's going to be there. Orton's going to be there. Wyatt's going to be there. Like this is this has turned into a major, major show. I kind of can't believe they haven't 
made it a network special, to tell you the truth. Yeah, and, you know, uh, you know SmackDown's doing so well, I think – uh, a little bit of uh, maybe we're going to throw a raw match in, in there since you know maybe they can enjoy how great SmackDown <laughs> is. Um, yeah. So that that'll be fun for everybody to get a little a little taste of uh, Raw and, and SmackDown together. But uh, I don't want them to get used to it because that's not going to happen. Right, right. Well, good, good. And before <laughs> <laughs> before I let you, and of course everybody can. That's the thing. It's not going to be a network special, by the way. So you got to get tickets. And if you haven't been to a Madison Square Garden house show, I mean it's it's unreal. You have to you have to go. AJ, before I let you go, I know you have a show tonight. Uh, I was watching uh, SmackDown, uh, Talking Smack. Are you a flat earther? I am not a flat earther. Okay. But there are some things that uh, when they say, like, huh, I never thought about it like that. Uh-huh. Um, and, and just going over and just, like, it, here's the thing. It's, you don't have to believe anything that's told to you. You know, like, you can always question anything. Uh, facts are facts, and, and they can't be theories. They have to be facts. Uh, and, and when you look out a bunch of theories, you're like, wait a minute. Okay, it's, a theory is something that's based on facts that have something to do with it, but it doesn't mean that's a fact. Like, people don't understand that. And, and, and although I'm not a flat earther, but there are some things that, like, make sense. Um, but then again, you, like satellites and, and, and the coverage of the Earth, if you're a sniper, you got to take all that into account. So, I'm I'm not a flat earther that just bring up some interesting points. Yeah, man. I I want to I want to as soon as as soon as Brian brought that up on that episode, I was like, one of these days, I'm gonna get into that with AJ Styles because I've spent a lot of time late at night researching flat Earth and aliens and every possible thing you could conceive of on the internet. So it's just it's it's interesting. And yeah. listen, I, I just think you should be able you should be able to question anything you want. I and you don't have to agree with everybody. You know, everybody. Oh, you're an idiot, dude. Okay, there's some guys who know a lot more than I do that can make an, a, a better case for it, but uh, but that's not me. Uh, I just find it interesting. I, I you know I watch all the stuff about aliens. I just I'm a sci-fi guy, mm-hmm. so I I just enjoy that stuff. Uh, you know, and uh, conspiracy theories that intrigues me. So there's just a number of things, and I, I could have killed Daniel Bryan for saying that because uh, now you get yeah I can see it in you your get face. all this yeah. stuff like God shut up. <laughs> You know, please don't get that started because I'll never hear the end of it. Um, but it's interesting, and you know. But I find a lot of things interesting when it comes to uh, you know science fiction. I love it. Or fact, I don't know. You know, uh, yeah, maybe it's science fact. We don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, who who's who can say? The only person that ever to, ever told me that or told the, the the world that other planets exist is NASA. But right. they sure do. There's a reason for all. Uh, they make a lot of money, a lot of money. They have a lot of money coming in. If NASA's not a, a an American thing, it's a world thing, and right. a lot of people don't know that. And so uh, when you when you start asking questions, there's not a lot of answers sometimes, and which you know drives you crazy at night when you're looking through YouTube and <laughs> and whatever. Yeah, because YouTube has all these answers that you're like, wait a minute, that does make sense. Yeah, and, but you, and then you realize, wait a minute, this is also YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's some so guy. <laughs> you can't believe anything on there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, everybody check out AJ Styles at Madison Square Garden, 
And uh, then after the garden show, that'll be done. It's an afternoon show, so that'll be done. So you'll have plenty of time to go home and research every possible YouTube conspiracy oh theory you could want to. <laughs> be prepared, though. I mean, yeah. there'll be some stuff that might blow your mind. You'll be like, oh, I didn't know that, or that makes sense. That's... And so it'll drive you nuts if you let it. Yeah, yeah, and it's real easy to let it. Uh, thank you. Yes. Thank you, AJ, and I, I'm sure I'll see you soon, man. Yes, sir, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Here is Sam Roberts. Man, you can hear it in his voice. That is a different AJ Styles than the guy that we talked to a year ago. The the confidence in his voice. Uh, and, and I thought he made a, a lot of great points. Uh, I love hearing that he's reached the place in his career where he realizes that he has a part to play. And that part... It's just like being on a sports team. That's what that's what that's the odd thing I find about the world of sports entertainment. The more you really look at the show, right? Even from a fan perspective, which is what I can give you, and what I have given you here, and what I have given you multiple times now on WWE Network. But when you look at it from a fan perspective, you can even see yourself that it's even though it's an individual activity the entire roster makes up a team and maybe they don't have an opposing team but the opposing team is the idea that they won't be entertaining that's what they're fighting they're fighting to make sure that they're entertaining you they're fighting to make sure you don't change the channel they're fighting to make sure you keep forking over the 999 a month that the WWE network uh, uh, is worth they're fighting to make sure they provide the value to you that they promised and then some and say what you want about WWE they are not chiselers the one thing that they do is provide value and it's, that's a real, you can call me a shill if you want, but that is a real tough argument to beat me on. The WWE provides value. And as a team that the roster is, each person plays a part. On a football team, each player plays a role. And they all do different things. Not everybody can be the quarterback, but if you had a whole team full of quarterbacks, you're not going to a Super Bowl. And AJ Styles has gotten to the place where regardless of if we're watching and we think he's the man and he should be, you know, winning the number one main event match every single show, and maybe he should be, he's aware that he'll have time to do that. He has done that. He'll do it again. And there are some points where he's going to do something else. And I, I believe him when he says that just being at WrestleMania is the goal because He's spent, you know, however many, 15 plus years being a professional wrestler and not being at WrestleMania. And this is like all you can do in life. This is all I do in life, wrestling or not wrestling. All you can do in life is look at where you were a year ago and ask yourself, have you improved? Have you grown? A year ago... AJ Styles was in a match with Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. And yes, there was a build-up to it. And yes, it was an important match, but it wasn't anywhere near the level of importance of some other matches. And it was more just a showcase of the two. It was a spot 
so that we could all see who AJ Styles was on that stage and that we could all see that Chris Jericho has a hell of a lot of gas left in that tank. Now, we've grown tremendously. But actually, I mean, to be fair to Jericho, both performers have. You're looking now at a WrestleMania where Chris Jericho and AJ Styles are both theoretically in two of the most important storyline-driven positions on the entire show. Is it the, the, the New York Daily News headline match? Maybe not. But for the people who tune in, every single week for fans like you and me those are the two stories that have been given more tv time those are the two stories that are being told for us and those are the positions that those guys are in and i think aj is in a great position you know the idea that aj is now theoretically wrestling shane mcmahon at wrestlemania that's what all the rumors state and that's where the storyline seems to be leading is not a bad thing. I talked to Wade Keller about it on the PW Torch uh, radio show earlier this week. I love Wade Keller, and he's been on the show before. You should look it up. Uh, but I talked to him about it, and he's bummed out about it, and I get his point, and I get a lot of people's point, that, you know, you want to see AJ Styles in some kind of five-star match. After the matches that he had with John Cena this year at the Royal Rumble and at SummerSlam, after the performance he put on at Survivor Series, why not give him the opportunity to have another five-star match? And the answer is, uh, it's for a couple reasons. Number one, you can't put him in there with John Cena again. You want something fresh. That story's been told. That's not your WrestleMania story. And, you know, Shane McMahon will deliver. He'll deliver something. Is he going to give you a five-star match? No. Is he going to do something that is going, that people are going to talk about the next day? The answer is yes. Shane will not show up to WrestleMania and allow people to leave disappointed. And that, to me, is where the Shane McMahon criticisms, I think, are a little bit, I don't want to say unfounded, but unfair. That on paper, you know, this is a situation where, yeah, it's the executive's son. And I think, you know, somebody said this is summer camp for Shane McMahon. This is, he just gets to pick who his opponent is, and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I don't think he leaves there feeling like it's summer camp. And he doesn't have to be doing what he's doing. He Does he want the spot? Yeah. But does he use the spot? Yes. And I think that's... He's not just getting by on his name. He's not coasting. He could have coasted at WrestleMania. He didn't. He jumped off the cage. He jumped off the Hell in a Cell. He's going to do something like that at this year's WrestleMania. And I think that putting AJ Styles on the platform that that is putting him on will no doubt lead to AJ Styles having even more popularity, getting even more shine. I mean, this is going to take AJ to another level. I don't think he's going to be able to be a bad guy anymore after WrestleMania this year. I think that's it for him. I think this puts him on a new plateau. And I think this could set him up to fill in for John Cena's place. I think when John Cena steps away after WrestleMania, AJ Styles is going to be the guy whose name is on the marquee. There's already little kids buying AJ Styles merchandise. And, I, you know, you've heard the rumors about Roman Reigns maybe going over to SmackDown. 
But I really think that it's it's pretty obvious. And if you keep AJ Styles a bad guy, and you move Roman Reigns to SmackDown after WrestleMania, and you headline places with Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles, AJ Styles is getting cheered. You're just not going to... People want to cheer him. You're not going to be able to stop them. And I think that's a good thing. So I think the idea that AJ Styles is not wrestling for the title is okay. He had a great title run. The fact that he never got his rematch puts him in line right after WrestleMania for more title shots. And he's going to be in a match that is possibly looked at as more important than the SmackDown championship match. You know, the idea that the general manager Shane McMahon is wrestling AJ Styles is going to be at least a double main event. When you look at SmackDown's top matches for WrestleMania, it's the title match and the Shane McMahon match, and they're equal if the Shane McMahon match isn't a little higher, especially after the Undertaker match last year. So AJ Styles being... That's that's the perspective that I look at this from. AJ Styles is being put in the spot of being one of the most important performers on the show. So... In this world, uh, this crazy world of sports entertainment, I don't know that you could expect him to have a better spot. I just don't know. This isn't a Daniel Bryan situation. They're not having AJ Styles versus Sheamus in the opening match. So, and and I think that the story is going to be told in such a way that it's not a snoozer of a match. This is going to be a match that people are excited for, and I'm very, very confident in that. Uh, and I'm excited. I'll be in Orlando. Oh, you do know that. And I'm excited to see some of you in Orlando, hopefully wearing some Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast merch. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts, or you can go to NotSam.com and click on the store link. NotSam.com, click store, and you'll be taken right to the page. You can get your very own Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. You can get the 8-bit Sam Roberts t-shirt. You can get a Not Sam shirt. You can get a Not Sam Mode shirt. You can get a What's the Hap shirt. They're all available. They all look super cool. And they're all there now at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. Get them while they're hot. Get them now in time for WrestleMania. Lady, you're putting my kid through college. Look, you like me. You want there to be another generation of me? Buy some t-shirts. I'll use that money. I'll put my little boy through college eventually. What do you think of that? What if he turns out to be one of these super geniuses? What if he turns out to be a little Dookie Hauser? And at 13 years old, he needs to go to college. Well, I won't have saved up enough for him to go to college at 13. I'm sitting there thinking, I got another five years. I got till he's 18 before I got to come up with enough money for a year of college. Nope, at 13, he's ready to become a doctor. Whoa, Doogie. Whoa. He's like, look, good news. I'm ready to go to college because I'm a genius. Bad news, nobody's taking me seriously, so no scholarships. I go, what am I supposed to do? He goes, good news, Pop. All your wonderful, wonderful Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast listeners bought t-shirts from ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. I go, you know what, Junior? You're right. I'm going to buy you a shirt because there's a little leftover money. And with the rest of it, I'm putting you through college. So thank you for doing that in advance. But you're going to have to order a bunch of shirts to get that done. So do it now. Tell your friends. And let's get it on. Hey, why don't we go for it? We already talked about the AJ Styles sitch. But so much happened this week in the world of sports entertainment. 
So I think we should start uh, the state of wrestling. What do you say? It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Oh, speaking of uh, of AJ Styles and the confrontation on Talking Smack, great episode of Talking Smack this week, and the presentation of that AJ Styles uh, Shane McMahon confrontation, I thought it was terrific. Number one, they never show gorilla position. If you'll note, gorilla position is never shown on TV. Even in like those uh, when they when they leave the ringside area to go backstage, or it's Falls Count anywhere, or whatever, or the Goldberg entrance, you never actually see anybody go through gorilla position. They always like enter into Gorilla, and then the next time you see them, they're on the stage. So the fact that Gorilla Position is on TV at all becomes newsworthy and feels real. Then you've got the confrontation, and you got Road Dog trying to separate it, and you see Michael Cole in the background, even though he's not actually on SmackDown, and you see all this stuff going on, and you're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? It just feels real. A lot of stuff that happens on SmackDown feels real. That's one of the reasons I think why SmackDown is so good. And that's why that, to me, is what made the Attitude Era more special than just the uh, debauchery. Because you can't get away with the debauchery anymore, but you can get away with making things feel real. And that's what's going on on SmackDown, especially on Talking Smack. The Miz and Daniel Bryan thing, I found it to be so tense on Talking Smack this week. I, I, I found it to be so personal, you know. And, and there's no way. Like, Daniel Bryan does not say something to the effect of, I can wrestle, but they won't let me. Ask me in a year and a half. Like, that's not scripted, okay? That's not sitting there getting approved by somebody. That's like real life. And you see the frustration in his face. Nobody's that good. And you're like, whoa. The the mixing of reality and storytelling, especially on Talking Smack, I love. That's why I can't miss it. I literally watch that show every single week. And it's not like anything else that's on the network. It's not like any... It, it, it adds so much to the show. And it's what I was talking about. I mean, you can go back two years when I started this podcast and I was talking about what the network needs to do and that's make programming that is complementary to the stuff that's on free TV, that's on cable, the Raw and the SmackDown shows. Stuff that's complementary, but stuff that is can't miss. Stuff that adds to the storyline, but stuff that you actually want to show clips of on the show. And that's like, I mean, the whole AJ Styles, Shane McMahon story, I feel like, up until this week, was primarily told on Talking Smack. The Miz's retort to John Cena on Talking Smack was amazing. Bringing up Dolph Ziggler, bringing up all this stuff that is like, you start to go like, whoa, I know the last part. And that's what they always say, right? They always say that what you want out of wrestling is, okay, I know the rest of it was scripted. I know the rest of it was fake, but that was real. But he wasn't supposed to say that thing about Dolph Ziggler. That's a real dig. And who knows? Maybe it is. Maybe it's a real dig with permission. Maybe, But but it's it's almost time you stop thinking about that and you go, Whoa, this is exciting. I want to see what happens. All of a sudden, these matches that are on paper, that's why, like, you got to give it room to breathe in this day and age. If I had told you on paper that AJ Styles and Shane McMahon was the match, and that's what happened, people started to kind of get annoyed. But let's see where the story goes. When, when, when you found out on paper 
that the rumor was that it's going to be John Cena and Nikki Bella versus The Miz and Maurice at WrestleMania, you go like, that doesn't sound good at all. Well, I mean, that just sounds like a, a scrub match. And then you watch the last two weeks of promos from John Cena and The Miz, and all of a sudden, you're interested. That's what I was saying two months ago, a month and a half ago at the Royal Rumble when Randy Orton won. And everyone's like, well, it could have gone this way, it could have gone that way. And you're like, just wait a minute. Just wait a minute. Because this, this is, now you're starting to go in a different direction than maybe you assumed. And it went from, are we really going to see Randy Orton versus John Cena? To everything that's transpired. And we don't even have clear answers from Bray Wyatt and everything that happened. And, and who knows? Who knows when we will? I was talking to Wade Keller earlier this week about how there was no closure on the Bray Wyatt thing. And to me, that was kind of okay. There was no, there wasn't much mention at all of Bray Wyatt and the uh, uh, amazing segment uh, of, of his house getting burned down on SmackDown last week. But that was because this week was all about the story of AJ Styles and everything that he has to go through and uh, everything that he has gone through and why, why we should care about a match between him and Shane McMahon. That's what the whole episode was arced around. And there was all this other stuff going on. And, and that's what I was talking about, about how good SmackDown is. Like on paper, you've got an episode of SmackDown that within the episode is leading toward this match between Randy Orton and AJ Styles. But what's actually happening on a macro scale is we are telling this AJ Styles story and driving home how important this AJ Styles Shane McMahon potential match is. Maybe we're planting implanting this idea in your head that you want to see that match. And that's the way the storytelling needs to be. That doesn't really happen on Raw. I, I don't feel like there's there's this micro macro building thing happening. Raw is, is way more straight ahead. Raw I found weird because I thought uh you know Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho kind of easily just making the match for WrestleMania. I guess it makes sense with their characters, but I I, I guess I, I, I could have felt like there was a little more resistance or maybe answer the question why Mick Foley or Stephanie McMahon didn't get involved at all. How AJ, I mean, how Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho were able to just give themselves a WrestleMania match. If I were Darren Young, I'd go out there right now and go like, Hey, Titus, Titus O'Neil, how about me and you one-on-one -on -one at WrestleMania? Be like, yep, sounds good to me. All of a sudden, Darren Young and Titus O'Neil have a WrestleMania match. I'd be challenging everybody. Hey, James Ellsworth. I should do that on, on, on a... I wish there was another pay-per-view before WrestleMania. I'd try to get on the pre-show. And I'd just challenge James Ellsworth to a WrestleMania match. Me and you at WrestleMania. What do you say? <laughs> okay. I'm like, just say yes, we'll get a WrestleMania match out of it. Um, but I guess we should start, um, well, I mean, we could continue with SmackDown a little bit. I just thought it was another, uh, good show. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I think it's all, all you can do, I think they're doing the right thing with the women's division in terms of just putting them all in one match. That makes sense because there's no real championship story at the moment and I don't think there's any reason to build one why not just get them all on TV uh, I, I thought Mickey turning on Alexa 
was a surprise and it was cool. I, I didn't expect it to happen in that moment. And whenever that happens, that's a good thing. Whenever they can make you go, whoa, whoa, that's a good thing. So I thought that was well done. Um, we should start actually uh, from the beginning of the of the of the weekend, I suppose. So I'm talking a little bit about the impact tapings. Uh, our Alberto Del Rio, who was on the podcast recently, made his uh, return. He wrestled him. I don't remember if he actually wrestled a match in Impact or not, but he's there now, and he's full time. So so a lot of stuff happened at the tapings. And again, I didn't see it. Uh, they they started a, a gimmick uh, with Josh Matthews and Jeremy Borash, and Josh Matthews uh, being hated by the fans is being used as a storyline, which I think is great. Acknowledge what's being said. That's totally cool. Um, I know that uh, uh, Alberto Del Rio appears to be like a full-time guy over at TNA. I was super happy. Oh, my God. I saw photos, and it was, like, mind-blowing. You know, you guys remember I had Pat Buck on the show a while back. My first uh, professional match a year ago was for WrestlePro. I was in a battle royal. I choke slammed Nikos Rikos. But I saw, I got to see guys that have just been busting ass for so long. Just just holding, just putting on shows at the Rawway Rec Center and all over Jersey. And, and just pouring out their blood, sweat, and tears and, and keeping this promotion afloat. And I'm talking about... Uh, too cocky Kevin Matthews, I'm talking about Falaba, and I'm talking about Mario Bocara, Bocara, if you're nasty, and I saw all three of those guys were part of the Impact tapings, and and Bocara and Falaba had entrances, and had their logos put up, and it was so cool to watch guys that, number one, are really great guys, number two, are really talented guys, and number three, put hard work into what they're doing. It was so cool to see them get to be a part of the TV tapings because, it, like, they don't know anybody. They didn't pull any strings. They have just busted ass for years. And to get a spot to shine on television is really, really cool. So congratulations to those guys for being a part of the Impact tapings. Uh, I can't wait to see uh, if and when they'll be on television. And uh, Bruce Pritchard, our buddy from Something to Wrestle With is on TNA, is on Impact now, on screen and I guess on the creative team. And I saw at one point, like, I was like, oh, man, I got to talk to how uh, WWE handles the pre-shows because I saw Bruce Pritchard had his podcast uh, cover art giant on their Titantron. And I was like, oh, man, that's what I want. I want, I want it on the big screen. It was really, really cool. So congrats to all those guys. And... TNA doing anything new is uh, is desperately needed. So uh, I'm very, very anxious to see what the new product looks like, how it feels. I, I, I'm excited. I'm optimistic, and I think it's cool. I still think they made a, a just a, a, an enormous mistake allowing the Hardys to leave the company. The three most noteworthy people in TNA in quite some time were Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, and Bully Ray. All three of those people debuted for Ring of Honor uh, over the weekend at the Hammerstein Ballroom at Manhattan Mayhem. And Hardys, I wasn't, I, you know, you always knew it was a possibility. The Hardys came in and they actually defeated the Young Bucks for the tag team titles. Bully Ray, I was pleasantly surprised by. 
you know, I just didn't, for whatever reason, didn't picture him going to Ring of Honor. But the fact that he's there is awesome. He's such a good singles bad guy. Like his run in TNA, it doesn't get talked about enough probably because TNA wasn't getting talked about. But his run in TNA as champion is fantastic. That was like the way Broken Matt was the one shining moment that TNA had, you know, over the last year or so. Bully Ray's title reign was the one moment TNA had during that period of time. So I think it's really cool that uh, all three of them are in Ring of Honor. Again, I hope that the Hardys have a short-term deal with Ring of Honor because I would really like to see them in WWE. And I feel like the fans would react. Again, it's not dissimilar from the Hollywood Hulk Hogan rock thing. What I would have loved to have seen was Broken Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy. brother Broken Matt Hardy, I'm sorry, and Brother Nero, Jeff Hardy, versus the New Day at WrestleMania. And I think what would have happened was as big as Broken Matt Hardy and Brother Nero is and was and everything, that the fans would simply be cheering because they're seeing the Hardy Boys back in action. And I think you could have a similar run to what Hulk Hogan did with other tag teams after that. I think that you would kind of slowly drop the Broken character and you would just have the Hardy Boys of old coming back and working dream matches. Working them with American Alpha, working them with Enzo and Cass, working them all, you know, with 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 uh, all of the vaude villains for God's sake, working uh, dream match after dream match after dream match after dream match, and I hope that that's an opportunity that the WWE does not uh, uh, decide not to take advantage of, because it's something that I think would be really cool and special and effective, and something that I really love to see on television speaking of things that I really want to see on television I mentioned this uh, on Twitter at the beginning of Fastlane and you know I don't think it's going to go there because at the moment it doesn't make sense but you could have gone there with Fastlane Uh, it's not clear what Braun Strowman or Samoa Joe are going to do at Wrestlemania something I'm sure you know, they've been built and built and built on Raw, so something I'm sure. But, you know, it seems like Samoa Joe is is tied to the Triple H-Seth Rollins story, which is something. And, you know, some people believe that Braun Strowman is tied to this Undertaker-Roman Reigns thing because of the way it went down at the end of Raw on Monday. Personally, I took Braun Strowman to be a red herring in the whole thing. I thought that Braun Strowman being involved at all was just to throw people off when Roman Reigns finally came out on Raw. But what I what and I'll get into that later. But what I really was hoping would happen is that you know people like Braun Strowman a lot. There's a lot of Braun Strowman fans, and I felt like there was a way, especially against a guy like Roman Reigns. Where win or lose, there is a way for Braun Strowman to come out of that match being cheered. Specifically if he had won. But that gets a little more risky because then that's going to screw up your Roman Reigns Undertaker story. So I'm not advocating that Roman should have lost. But I would have loved to have heard some ideas for different ways. You know, maybe if it's not so clean, maybe if it's a 
quick roll-up. You know, I, I don't know exactly. But I think there's a way to have Braun Strowman leaving that ring with people cheering him. Because I think that a good guy Braun Strowman versus a bad guy Samoa Joe is like an amazing WrestleMania match. I People are talking about Finn Balor. And I don't think that it's going to be Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe at WrestleMania. I don't even necessarily want to see that. Only because... And I eventually want to see that, but only because we saw that in NXT. Like that was that was Finn Balor's last run in NXT was with Samoa Joe. So for the two to finally be on the same Raw roster and just to restart that all over again is kind of like no, 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 no. That's something you visit down the line. You know, that's not like there was no loose end to tie up on that storyline that was closed so that Finn Balor could come up to the main roster so I don't think that that needs to be reopened immediately uh you know I I I, one possibility for Samoa Joe if Seth Rollins is maybe not a hundred percent but can still kind of go because people are going to want to see Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins deserves to be at Wrestlemania uh there is a version of this where Seth Rollins is part of a tag team so the damage is limited, and it's Seth Rollins and Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe and Triple H. If that is a tag team match, to me, it it moves down the card a little bit. Seth Rollins versus Triple H is a potential show closer. Potential. Seth Rollins and Finn Balor versus Triple H and Samoa Joe is not. Uh, it just... It just is. It's just, it's just the way it is. I don't. I don't think that 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 tag team match is a show closer. I think it's a big match, but I think it's a big match in the middle of the show. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm Finn Balor. I'm assuming will be back for WrestleMania because he's being advertised for house shows before WrestleMania. So I don't know where you put. Maybe you give Finn Balor the Braun Strowman match. You know, while Braun Strowman still has a little bit of juice, even though he lost to Roman Reigns, maybe the Demon needs to make his WrestleMania entrance in a match against Braun Strowman. Finn Balor's got to come back soon. Here's the thing. If the Demon is going to be at WrestleMania, then Finn Balor's got to come back soon because the Demon only appears when there's a reason for the Demon to appear. If it's just Finn Balor at WrestleMania, then... He doesn't have to come back until WrestleMania, really. But if it's the Demon, we need a couple of weeks for there to be a reason. You know, that's what happened at SummerSlam. There was there were, there was a few weeks of buildup to the Seth Rollins match, and you knew the Demon was coming. And I think when the Demon comes out, there should be warning. You should kind of know that the Demon is going to come out. Um, and I don't know if I would want to watch Finn Balor versus Braun Strowman. I'd probably watch the demon Finn Balor versus Braun Strowman. Uh, and that would be Braun Strowman as a bad guy. But if you could have made Braun Strowman a good guy, I'd love to see him against Samoa Joe. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be very interesting to see. I do think that there were mistakes made at Fastlane. Okay? I know that people were hard on the pay-per-view, and maybe you guys were hoping that I'd make you feel a little better. I can try to make you feel better about some of the outcomes or where we're going i don't think this puts us in a negative space heading to wrestlemania necessarily but it was kind of like oh man 
at the end of the show. A few mistakes. First of all, the opener was great. The opening match was awesome between uh, uh, Samoa Joe and Sami Zayn. I think that a mistake was made with Rusev and Jinder. I think that that took up a big chunk of time on the pay-per-view. And it kind of killed a lot of energy. Because I, I just don't think people believed in that story. It's like, okay, hey, just so everybody knows, Jinder Mahal and Rusev don't get along anymore. Oh, okay. You know, I don't I don't know that I ever got why they were friends. So that part was like it slowed down the show a little bit. And then with the results, like, it's so strange to me. And I don't get everything, you know. I don't I don't I don't I don't write storylines for pro wrestling for a living. There's a lot that I don't know about that art. But in my mind, you the 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 Bailey Sasha Charlotte thing. First of all, you know, Sasha's got to turn soon. I I I would imagine that's an inevitability. And it's going to be the best thing that ever happened to Sasha Banks because that's why she was so popular coming to the main roster to start with is because she was such a good bad guy on NXT. Sasha's ratchet, no, she's not. Sasha's ratchet, no, she's not. That's Sasha Banks. You know, I uh, it, uh, Sasha doesn't need to be another woman on the roster who's making her dreams come true. Sasha is the boss. The boss isn't sitting there going like, I can't believe I'm here. The boss is sitting there going, of course I'm here. I'm in charge. I'm the boss, for goodness sakes. So I'm assuming she'll turn soon, and I hope she does. But you got to the same place. You got to that triple threat match, and I'm still not not sure that uh, Nia Jax won't be added. To that I, that it would not surprise me that Nia Jax gets added to that trouble threat match but it's like I don't understand and maybe you can educate me if you tweet me at not Sam but I don't understand how giving Charlotte her first pay-per-view match at Fastlane adds to any of this I mean first of all she should have been disqualified Bailey, I mean. Sasha came down to the ring and she put hands on Charlotte. Sasha's hands, Sasha hit Charlotte before she was on the outside of the ring. She ran to the ring and their hands were on each other. That should have been a disqualification. And if if Bailey wins the match, loses the match via DQ and keeps her title, Charlotte has more of a reason to ask for a rematch. Charlotte has more of a reason to say, I wasn't beaten fair and square. Sasha is more questionable. And the odds are stacked more heavily against Bailey. Bailey's feeling that she had anyway of, I don't know if I deserve to be going to WrestleMania, is even stronger. So Sasha is there even more so as a friend to say, of course you do, of course you do. And Bailey has this little thing like, why did you interfere? Like, why why did you let her win by DQ? Oh, no, 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 she was going to cheat, blah, blah, whatever it is. But now Bailey's got to go to WrestleMania and not only retain her title, 
against Sasha Banks. But she's got to hand Charlotte her first pay-per-view loss because it hasn't happened yet. I don't understand how you benefit more, how the story benefits more, by having Charlotte already lost that pay-per-view streak before you get to WrestleMania. When you could have had her lose it at WrestleMania. You know, I'm glad Bailey retained the title. You know, I, I didn't need the title to switch again. I think she should retain the title again at WrestleMania. That's that's the Bailey story. That's how you, you, you push her forward and really cement her as the champion. But it would just be like a little bit more uphill to climb if Charlotte hadn't won, hadn't lost that match. And she could have lost without winning the title easily. There was the moment you literally could have done the exact same match except ended it as soon as Sasha Banks came out and started hitting Charlotte. If you had just DQ'd her right there, you have the exact same result, except there's a little more to the story. As opposed to doing it this way when there's actually less to the story and Charlotte's pay-per-view streak is over. So that was a bummer. Um, Braun Strowman just kind of losing clean after all this build-up. I didn't love it. But it wasn't that bad because Braun Strowman had a ton of offense. You know, the table spot, the running power slam, crashing through the table was great. Um, There were a couple of moments where it wasn't that bad. And I don't think you left that match looking at Braun Strowman less seriously. Again, would have been nice to have had some chicanery, but there was a lot of chicanery that night. So maybe you got to do that. So, you know, I'm not going to harp on that. The Goldberg thing. I think WWE may have jumped the shark a little bit with Goldberg at Fastlane. And I'll tell you why. Kevin Owens is beloved. Even if he is a bad guy, even if people are booing him, Kevin Owens is beloved. And Kevin Owens, his appearance looks like a guy who would lose to Goldberg in two moves. What makes Kevin Owens special is the fact that he isn't that guy. He's a guy that poses a real threat to Goldberg and anybody else on the roster. You know, and 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 Brock Lesnar, you could still say got surprised by Goldberg. Brock Lesnar didn't see it coming. Kevin Owens could have gotten a little bit of offense. Not a lot, not even a, a pop-up powerbomb. It would have been nice if Kevin Owens were the first man to put hands on Goldberg in a singles match this year, in this era. If Kevin Owens were the first man to do damage to Goldberg, even if he didn't knock him to his feet, even if he just got him down to a knee, even if he just kicked him in the gut, even if he just hit him, if he did something, something. But we got another match where it was two moves and nothing happened to Goldberg except he won the Universal title. Uh, and I think if you listen to his reaction on Raw, you may be dealing with a WrestleMania match where Brock Lesnar is heavily favored by the audience. Brock Lesnar is heavily cheered. I'm all for the Universal title being on the line in the Brock Lesnar-Goldberg match. You know, I think that the fact that Goldberg felt like he was jumping the shark a little bit at Fastlane would lead me to believe that if the Universal title were not on the line, 
maybe not in the buildup, but when you got to the Brock Lesnar-Goldberg match, there would be a lot more meh in the audience. I don't think that that match is going to close the show. I don't think that match should close the show, quite frankly. But I do think the Universal title adds to it. I think that the Universal title uh, adds questions to that match that aren't there. You know, I'm not excited about that match, as excited about that match without the title because I feel like I've already seen it. I feel like it's just another one of these things or just, okay, because if Goldberg beats Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, okay, Goldberg already beat Brock, I mean, if Brock Lesnar beats Goldberg at WrestleMania, okay, but Goldberg already beat Brock Lesnar twice, once before at a WrestleMania, and eliminated him from the Royal Rumble. So Brock Lesnar's got the win. Goldberg still eliminated him. Goldberg still beat him twice. Goldberg still beat him once in two seconds. So has Brock Lesnar really won the war? No. But if Brock Lesnar walks out the WWE Universal Champion, if he's the man again, if he ends Goldberg's reign as WWE Universal Champion, well, my friend, then you've got a story. Not only did he beat Goldberg, but he beat him on the grandest stage of them all, and he beat him for the WWE Universal Championship. That's a different story. So that's why I think that the Universal title does add value to that story. And the Kevin Owens-Chris Jericho story, the United States title is on the line, but but that story has been so well told that I don't I don't I honestly don't think the Universal title adds to the Kevin Owens Chris Jericho story. Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho have become arguably more important than the Universal title. I would I would argue for that match to headline WrestleMania to be the last match to go on more far more than I would argue the Goldberg Brock Lesnar match to be the last one to go on. And no matter who wins between Goldberg and Brock Lesnar, one of those two guys walks out with the Universal Championship and leaves us with a lot of questions leaves us wanting to watch Monday Night Raw and go, what happened? Brock Lesnar, he's a good guy now. He's a good guy. I mean, I'm mad at him because I want to know what Goldberg was about to tell us that he's never told anybody. And I don't know that he'll ever decide to tell anybody now. We almost knew a secret. But but I do... I I I want to see Brock Lesnar's Universal Champion. I want to see that, you know, and and it's a way of getting Brock Lesnar the Universal Title without having to squash somebody on the roster. So what you're going to do here is Brock Lesnar doesn't have to beat anybody who's on the day to day roster to win the Universal Championship, and eventually he's going to lose that title to one of your full timers, which is an even bigger rub, so to speak. So I don't think it's a negative thing that Goldberg is the universal champion. I think it's a negative thing that Kevin Owens got no offense at all. I think that the, these are all things, the, the, the Charlotte thing and the Kevin Owens-Goldberg thing are all things that are these little easy fixes that I don't think would have hurt anything, but what do I know? And I think it would have left people with a much better taste coming out of their mouth, coming, coming out of Fastlane in their mouth. I don't know why Fastlane was in their mouth to start with, but it would leave them with that quinoa taste. Um, Kevin Owens is doing a good job, by the way, being back to a, a prize fighter as well. Uh, back to the old Kevin Owens, who we trust can beat people up. I'll tell you something. 
You talk about uh, uh, injuries and what it means to people's careers. Austin Aries getting injured may have been the best thing that's ever happened to him in WWE. It's certainly in WWE, maybe in, in his career. Because sitting out and being added to the commentary table has gotten so much attention on him. And then allowing him to do those stand-up interviews on Raw, where even I, go back a couple weeks, had to say, Austin Aries is so money right now. He is so good at those stand-up interviews. Uh, I, I, he's, he's just immediately grabbing attention. And he's not even having to work in the ring. Wait till people see him actually do moves. You know, because I don't think, you know, people saw him a little bit in NXT, but but he's not known yet in WWE for a massive in-ring career. He's known for being entertaining, and he's put 205 Live on the map, and he's put himself on the map. And what he's done is he's created a WrestleMania-worthy cruiserweight feud, uh, a rivalry. You know, we talk about uh, how... 205 Live doesn't resonate on Monday Night Raw. And there have become a couple of exceptions. I think Tozawa uh, resonates. There's just something about him in ring that people respond to. So that is one thing to take note of. I'm still a fan of Brian Kendrick. Uh, but And Rich Swan to me, is the greatest thing ever. But this story between... Uh, 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 Neville and Austin Aries is WrestleMania worthy because Austin Aries has become a full-fledged superstar because of his time at the commentary table. And if he hadn't gotten that time at the commentary table, I don't think we would have been looking at him the way we are. I don't think that the general Monday Night Raw audience would be as aware of him as they are. Because, you know, like, look at Jack Gallagher, for example. Jack Gallagher has been pushed to the moon as far as cruiserweights go. He's been given every spot. He's performed them perfectly. He's taken advantage of all his opportunities. And he is a real breakout star from that 205 Live roster. But he is so far in the shadow of Austin Aries. Austin Aries is a much bigger star than Jack Gallagher. Austin Aries has become a bigger star than anybody in the cruiserweight division. And Neville has a pedigree. Neville is a bigger star. So you now have a cruiserweight match for WrestleMania that feels like it's two superstars going to battle, which is really good for 205 Live. Because I think you're going to see this match at WrestleMania. I think it's going to be on the main card because they want that exposure for 205 Live. I don't know. I hope. It's WrestleMania, for God's sake. You don't need to make the ropes purple at WrestleMania. Maybe they will, but I really hope they don't. But I think they're going to go out there to steal the show, and I think they have the high potential to do so. Maybe not be the match of the night, but they'll be talked about. They'll be talked about quite a bit, and what's that going to do? It's going to drive eyes to 205 Live, which I think is genius. I think is absolute genius and 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 it's not like it's so planned out in advance that we know we're going to do this and blah 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 but but you know i mean it, it it's it's perfect it ended up being done perfectly so happy with it 
so happy with it. So a lot, a lot going on in the wrestling world. I, I thought here's we should talk about the Undertaker Roman Reigns segment on Raw. That was probably the arguably the most newsworthy item of the week. Um, so Braun Strowman comes out and he calls out Roman Reigns and the Undertaker comes out. Braun Strowman walks away. Roman Reigns music hits. Roman Reigns comes out and he says, this is my yard. And you got to watch these after shows because if you were watching Raw Talk, Roman Reigns was on Raw Talk talking about how this is his yard. Anybody that has any knowledge of WWE knows that that's the Undertaker's catchphrase and it started in the American Badass years. Immediately when he said, this is my yard, I said, we're gearing up to mania, folks. There it is. And so Roman Reigns coming out and, and saying, hey, you know, Undertaker, I get you're the Undertaker, but he was calling me out. First of all, I love that. That's why I loved the Brock Lesnar-Kevin Owens tension. I mean, the Goldberg-Kevin Owens tension. I love when a new guy comes out and says, all due respect, I know you're a legend, but this is my time now, not yours. Because in the Undertaker's time, you know, in 1991... The Undertaker didn't come out and say, hey, Hulkster, I know Hulkamania has been running wild, but blah, blah, blah. No, The Undertaker tried to kill Hulkamania. When Hulk Hogan came back as a legend, The Undertaker tried to destroy him again. There's there's enough reverence being paid to legend, uh, legends. Active roster superstars should not be fans of the legends that show up whether it's The Undertaker, whether it's The Rock, whether it's whoever, whether it's Brock Lesnar, whether it's Goldberg. Nobody on the main roster should be fans of these guys because these guys are treated like they're the kings of industry. And the fact is that the guys who should want to be treated like kings of industry are the guys that are there night in, night out. Seth Rollins should have no respect for Goldberg wearing that title and should know that he can beat Goldberg. Roman Reigns should know that he can beat The Undertaker. Because why can't he? As a character, why wouldn't Roman Reigns think that, he, that, that you know, The Undertaker had his time, but Roman Reigns just, just, just beat Braun Strowman. In Roman Reigns' eyes, The Undertaker is old and washed up. He is a legend. And legends never die, but sometimes they get the crap kicked out of them. And that's what Roman Reigns is there to do. So I love that Roman Reigns stood up to The Undertaker. I thought it was awesome. But I think the... And I love that The Undertaker chokeslammed him. I loved it. I, I thought that that was a, a great response. Um, and, and I think that this was obviously building starting with the Royal Rumble, and I liked that the commentators didn't say anything, and it, and it was there. I thought it was a really good segment. And I don't know if Braun Strowman is going to get involved or not. I hope he does not. Uh, I know people have been talking about that. My initial thought was that Braun Strowman was simply a red herring, was that he came out there so that people would think there was going to be an Undertaker-Braun Strowman stare down. But, but Braun Strowman has now walked away from the Undertaker and lost to Roman Reigns. So I don't know what possible motivation Braun Strowman would have to be a part of this. I think it's 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 new versus old. It's Roman Reigns versus The Undertaker. It's whose yard is this? And, you know, there's only a handful of people 
I don't have a problem with Roman Reigns and The Undertaker. I think it's a cool match. I think it's a cool match. You know, you could have had AJ Styles versus The Undertaker. You could have had John Cena versus The Undertaker. You could have even had Seth Rollins versus The Undertaker. But all those people are in good positions. And I do not have a problem with The Undertaker going one-on-one with Roman Reigns. And I don't have, I mean, you know, I don't think The Undertaker is too old to be doing this either. I think The Undertaker keeps going until The Undertaker decides he can't go. I've never been disappointed with The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Maybe my expectations aren't so high. He's not going to have the best, like, he's never going to do better than his matches with Shawn Michaels. That was the peak of The Undertaker. Those were The Undertaker's best two matches at WrestleMania ever. They will never be better than that. I'm not looking for The Undertaker to have the best match of his career. I'm looking for The Undertaker to come out. I'm looking for the lights to go purple. I'm looking for some smoke to come up. I'm looking for things to get scary. And I'm looking to not be quite sure what's going to happen. Because The Undertaker's already lost once. And that means he can lose again. And that is going to be delivered to me at WrestleMania by The Undertaker, I believe. As long as his... As, as Wade Keller said, as long as his hip stays in the socket, I think that, that we're going to be able to get that. But I don't, I mean, the Roman Reigns-Undertaker thing makes sense. And this gives the opportunity for Roman Reigns to be a badass guy who's doing something that's unpopular. Who's standing up to the Undertaker and being like, look, I know as a good guy I'm supposed to like, you know, kiss your boots or whatever. But I'm not going to do that because this is my yard. And I'm I'm a one man army. Okay, I'm a, it's one versus all, and you're all, and I'm one. And it's not a full heel turn, but it is like it's Roman Reigns with a chip on his shoulder. And Roman, what's that? Roman Reigns needs to have more of a chip on his shoulder. And and I think this does it. And and it and it will make sense that he gets booed. You're putting Roman Reigns in a position when he had a match with Triple H. Triple H is the ultimate evil owner. You know, it doesn't make sense that he would get cheered and Roman Reigns would get booed as far as story goes. But if it's Roman Reigns versus Undertaker, it makes sense for Roman Reigns to get booed. So I think this is a this is a this is a good scenario for Roman to be in, and I think it's it's a good Undertaker match for WrestleMania. And you know, everybody says, well, the people who were complaining about a John Cena Undertaker match were saying, well, John Cena doesn't need it. And it's like, okay, well, then let's give it to the guy who is potentially the heir apparent to John Cena. Let's give it to Roman Reigns. I still want to see a Demon versus Undertaker match, and maybe that would have happened had Finn Balor not gotten hurt, but he got hurt. Maybe that happens next year. Who knows? But I thought it was a great close to Raw. I thought it was surprising. And I was I was kind of taken aback. And I guess it's just people who are going to hate whatever Roman Reigns does, which I think is unfair. But I got a bunch of people on Twitter that did not like the segment because, you know, they were either thinking The Undertaker's old or Roman Reigns doesn't this or Roman Reigns doesn't that. And it's like, it's it's putting the blinders on a little bit. Because I think this is going to be a cool match. And the story behind it makes sense. And a lot of times it doesn't. So I don't know what more you can ask for. Thanks for joining me this week on State of Wrestling. Don't forget to uh, pick yourself up a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. Or at NotSam.com by clicking on that store link. Um, i got a real fun interview for you next week. It's going to be a long one. Uh, so, until then... 
We'll talk about this all again uh, in seven days. Ah, uh, you didn't want to wait. We almost made it the whole show. That's Lila crying. <laughs> it's not a dog. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.